Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Aren't we all forever linked with those prehistoric cave painters who first dared to lift brush to stone? Hey, Simon, uh, you wrote the fart sketch, right? Yeah. Does there need to be so many farts? Yeah, I, I think so. You do? Yeah. Okay. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette. Coming up, we talk with author Simon Rich about what it's like to make two 30 under 30 lists and then turn 30. I'm extremely physically young looking. I've always looked like a child. So, you know, luckily uh, I, I can probably still fool people for a few more years into thinking that I'm smart. And we talk about the voices of women, especially young women, and how they're often not taken as seriously as the voices of men. All that plus your nerd confessions right here on Nerdette. NPR made this lovely video called Talking While Female, and I think we need to just dive in and listen to the first 30 seconds of it. Did anybody ever tell you you have kind of a childlike voice? Oh, God, your voice is so annoying. It's so squeaky. It's so high. Frantic, grating, obnoxious. Take a shot of whiskey. That may help your voice like sound more rich. A woman's voice is not authoritative. People will not believe her. I got this letter in the mail. It's written on a note card. And it basically tells me that I sound like a Kardashian sister. That's just the first 30 seconds of the video. These are all different young women who work at NPR reciting things that they have been told about their own voices. And Trisha, while you and I, I don't think we've ever actually been compared to Kardashians, and you probably wouldn't mind taking a shot of whiskey, (laughs) this is something that we're all thinking about a lot, how we sound. As we all know, there are a lot fewer women-hosted podcasts than dude-casts, as I like to call them. And there's a lot of theories about why that is, but I've heard a lot of young women in public radio describe situations like those ones that we've just heard, and it just kind of breaks my heart. Selena Simmons-Duffin produces for Morning Edition at NPR, and she produced this video, and she's had experiences like this herself. I've been at NPR for about three years, and at one point when I was going into an interview, my boss, who is female told me not to sound too enthusiastic because when young women are enthusiastic, it's very grating. Well, whoever said that probably doesn't like our show very much because I'm pretty enthusiastic all the time. Well, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of our podcast, right, is to sound really enthusiastic. Selena had also read this essay by Ann Carson that really got her thinking about all this stuff. So she ended up pitching a story about why women's voices are taken less seriously and NPR assigned it to her, which she said was a really exciting process. There was a lot of debate when the video came out about this moment where my scientist source, Rindy Anderson, who's a biologist, says that the bias against women's voices is biologically driven. I got a lot of very, very, very long emails about this. People were very upset about the idea that it's biologically and not culturally driven, and they really took issue with her way of describing that. 
I regret that that was so distracting that it took away from, I think, the larger point of the video, which is that for whatever reason, yes, women's voices, especially young women whose voices tend to be higher, aren't often taken seriously and aren't often listened to in the same way. I don't know why that is. I don't know if there is like something about high pitches or if it's purely cultural and sociological. I think that she's taking flack for this biology argument, but that we should keep an open mind to it. Because when you think about how little we actually understand about how we've evolved to interact with things like sense memory, sound, smells, we know that testosterone and pheromones impact our psyche in the way that we interact with each other. So if testosterone equates a lower pitch in a voice, why wouldn't that also be a biological something that we have a reaction to? It makes sense to me that it's a combination of nature and nurture. Right. I think that makes total sense. The question then is, if young women are actually taken less seriously, what do we do about it? I mean, do we need to sound less young or does everybody else just need to get over it? One of the last quotes from the video that Selena produced is by a woman named Maggie Penman, who also works at NPR. And I just thought this was the most delightful. Ready? I'm going to up talk. There's going to be some vocal fry. Everyone can deal. <laughs> Everyone can deal. I like Maggie's opinion there. And in the end, what I think is most important is that we sound like ourselves. Exactly, which is why those moments of unbridled enthusiasm are so important. And Selena absolutely agrees. The best moments on the radio, the ones that make you stop and look at your radio and think what is going on is when somebody is beyond excited about something. And I think we forget the simplicity of that. Some of what makes really good radio is enthusiasm. It just pops out of the radio. Amen, sister. Selena recommends that essay by Ann Carson as some supplemental reading if you're interested. A mini homework assignment. Exactly. I love the Ann Carson essay. It is super weird, though. Like, I need, I need that disclaimer out there. But if you want to geek out about women voices, Ann Carson, Anne with an E, the gender of sound, I think that there are PDFs floating out there on the web that you can check out. Or it, the collection that it's in is Glass, Irony, and God. Thanks to Selena Simmons-Duffin for talking with us. You can find a link to that essay and the video on our website, nerdatpodcast.com. Still to come, a conversation with the youngest staff writer ever in Saturday Night Live's history. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdette. Simon Rich is one of those people who can make you feel wildly unaccomplished if you just look at how much he's done, but he's a very nice fellow and does not rub it in your face at all. He was the youngest staff writer ever on Saturday Night Live. He's written about a half dozen novels and short stories. You can often read his stories in The New Yorker. His novella, Sellout, is becoming a movie starring Seth Rogen, which Simon Rich is going to be writing. And now he's the author of a new story collection called Spoiled Brats. 
the very, very first things that I loved growing up were probably uh, Mad Magazine, Roald Dahl children's books, and Looney Tunes. And then when I was around nine or ten years old, I started watching The Simpsons, and that completely changed my life. I recently had to confess on the show that I somehow never watched a full episode of The Simpsons as a kid. It was forbidden in my uh-huh. home, and somehow I didn't break that rule. And so I'm always curious about people who find it their touchstone moment for comedy. What about your sense of humor do you point back to and say, that, that's The Simpsons? The genius of The Simpsons is um, and there's a million things they do well, from story to suspense to slapstick to satire. But I think the thing that made it stand out in my mind is that stories were told from such divergent points of view. You would have a character like Mo, who in early episodes was just kind of there to receive prank phone calls from Bart. Mo's tavern. Is Mr. Freely there? Oh. Freely. First initial is IP. Hold on, I'll check. Uh, is IP Freely here? Hey, everybody, IP Freely! <laughs> <laughs> and by season two or three, suddenly he would have entire episodes really centered around his own emotional journey. Okay, sir, you're free to go. Good, because I got a hot date tonight. Hot date. Dinner with Fred. Dinner alone. Watching TV alone. All right. I'm going to sit at home and ogle the ladies in the Victoria's Secret catalog. See his catalog. Now, would you unhook this already, please? I don't deserve this kind of shabby treatment. And, you know, in later seasons, even somebody like Duffman or the Bumblebee Man will suddenly be given backstories and personalities and emotional burdens. And I just couldn't believe that you could tell a story from so many different angles. And that kind of inventiveness really just blew my mind and still does. It's just unbelievable the sheer quantity of incredible material they've produced. It's unbelievable. I don't think there's anything like it in the history of entertainment. More than one occasion, you've been named for some sort of 30 under 30 type list of some sort. But now that you're no longer under 30, does that mean something to you in terms of the idea that you go from being precocious to just an adult doing a job at some point? At 24, wow, you did that at 24, at 26, no way. And then by the time you're 30, it feels like, oh, you're just supposed to be doing whatever you're doing, no matter how astronomically cool it is. It's just like, "Mm, yes, you're a 30-year-old, well done. No, it's true. Yeah, well, one thing about me is that I'm extremely physically young-looking. I've always looked like a child. It was a great trick growing up because when I was like 16 years old, I wasn't particularly bright or special in any way, but grown-ups would see me and think, like, that is the smartest (laughs) nine-year-old on the planet. So, you know, luckily, uh, I I can probably still fool people for a few more years into thinking that I'm smart. This is Nerdette. We're talking with author Simon Rich about his new collection of stories, Spoiled Brats. One of my favorites in the book is about college kids in space and called Semester Abroad. This notion that in the probably the near future, maybe in our lifetimes, we'll see private space travel be something that will certainly be something that not everyone does, but that a rich kid on spring break maybe is going to do. And it makes me wonder if that will be the one thing that millennials will be able to sort of hold over the next generation to make sure that they're more annoying than we are, is that we can say, when I was your age, we drove to Florida in a car for spring break, and they're going to be going to the moon. These newfangled rockets. (laughs) Um, Like anything, though, um, whenever there's a new technology, the early adopters tend to be the old, richest people. Sure. I don't think space travel will ever really be cool. It's not like drugs, where, like, (laughs) 
the first wave of drug users are like attractive young people. With technology, the first wave of users is usually the oldest, whitest people on earth. You look at like airplanes. Have airplanes ever really been cool? Like not really, because when Pan Am started, it was just a bunch of extremely rich 1930s businessmen going from New York to Chicago. <laughs> and it might have been statusy, but it never had that really like hip vibe to it. They were snappy dressers. They were snappy dressers, yeah. But those plane trips sound like just absolute hell. I'm obsessed with early commercial plane transportation, and it's just so funny how uh, you know all these grinning, smiling businessmen going up 200 miles per hour with insane turbulence, puking their guts out. <laughs> but yeah, whenever something is expensive, people will find a way to do it. And when it comes to space, the sheer cost of getting there is still going to be so astronomical that it's not going to be luxurious first-class accommodations. Everybody's going to be in the same weird suit cramped in a cubby. Yeah, I saw this great thing on YouTube recently, which was an ad for a 1987 cellular phone. <laughs> it's like it weighs about 20 pounds, and it comes with this incredibly dorky knapsack that you have to fling over one of your shoulders. But it's marketed as incredibly expensive, so it's marketed as a status symbol. And it's just all these hilarious shots of these smiling, arrogant yuppies on their motorboats and in their porches, saddled with this horrific device <laughs> and pretending to love it. It's funny how um, whatever's new, people always sort of assume must be perfect. We might need those backpacks again for the giant new phones. We were talking about that recently on the show, that pockets have gone in the opposite direction of phone size. And it's just not right. going well for a lot of people. We're going to have to bring back that fanny pack thing. Yeah, that's fanny pack. That was a pretty good invention. What are some of the things that you're nerding out about right now? What are you loving that's either stuff you're reading or watching? I've been reading a lot of books about Antarctic and Arctic exploration. So like Shackleton and Scott and Aronson and all the sort of early explorers trying to get to the poles. I don't know why. This seems to me to be an extremely hilarious thing to do with one's life, to go to a godforsaken point on the far side of the globe for really no scientific reason. <laughs> I just love reading about these people. And they all kept diaries and they just complained the whole time. Nobody sent them there. There wasn't any gold there. They weren't trying to learn anything. They just kind of went to go. And so it's pretty funny to read about these crazy people. So is it like October 4th, still really cold? This was a bad idea. Still cold. Oh, yeah, literally. It's just like, <laughs> I hope tomorrow isn't cold. And then the next day it's like, it is cold. You know, really, nothing changes. So I'm really into that. I've been into, uh, I read this great book recently called The Ghost Map, which is about a, a big cholera outbreak in London in the 19th century. And it's extremely sad, but also funny because there's one guy who's pretty convinced that germs can be spread through water and nobody believes him. They think it's just bad smells. Hmm. You know, the whole miasma theory from the Middle Ages. Right. So everyone's just going around like with flowers in their noses and drinking big gulpfuls of cholera-infected water. <laughs> Mostly, I guess, 19th century history right now for me. Which is maybe going to help you understand the toil that your ancestors were going through to help with the screenplay you're working on? That's exactly right. Yeah, it's born out of the same interest. There was a story called Sellout that's in Spoiled Brats, and that's autobiographical. It was about my great-great-grandfather, Herschel, who came to Ellis Island from the old country with, you know, just some pennies in his pocket, and he toiled every day, and... It's a story he's working at his hellish job in the pickle factory killing rats. And one day he falls into a vat of brine and he gets brined. And he emerges 100 years later in <laughs> present-day Brooklyn 
he hasn't aged a day. He's still, you know, in his late 20s. And he meets his great-great-grandson, who's me, Simon Rich. And we're the same age. We look a lot alike, but we have very different value systems and points of view. And he despises me and my way of life. <laughs> so it sort of turns into like this odd couple between me and Herschel Rich. But yeah, that story was in large part born out of my nerdy obsession with late 19th century, early 20th century city life. And a good, healthy self-awareness, I think, of how ridiculous Brooklyn is today. Oh, yeah, totally. It is hilarious that my ancestors came to this place specifically, and I'm still here on the same land, and my lifestyle couldn't be any more different. It's important for me to, you know, occasionally try to have a bit of self-awareness about, uh, <laughs> about what's changed and why. Simon Rich, thanks so much for talking with us today on Nerdette. Anytime. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thanks to Simon Rich for talking with us. So you can't find Simon Rich on Twitter, can you, Tricia? No. Right after we interviewed him, I was very excited and wanted to tweet about his new book and how much I liked it and how impressively prolific I thought he was. And then I couldn't find him on Twitter. And then I realized maybe the reason he's written half a dozen books by the age of 30 is that he hasn't been spending any time tweeting like the rest of us. <laughs> you know, this is the case for Karen Russell as well. Maybe they're onto something here. Yes. Two of the most prolific young writers I love are not on Twitter. Hmm. I wonder hmm. if there's a connection there. Hold on. Let me tweet about that. <laughs> I already did. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Now it's time for some homework from Simon Rich, who apparently doesn't have time to tweet, but he's an avid reader. I'm going to recommend some books some nonfiction books that I love that have very, very much inspired my own writing and maybe will inspire you. So one is called Madhouse. It's by Andrew Skull. It's a terrifying book about a very stupid scientist who believed that he had found a cure for insanity and it was removing people's organs. Oh, boy. Uh, it turned out to not be a good theory, but he destroyed a lot of lives. And a very upsetting, brutal read, but a good reminder that just because people are in white coats and famous, they're not necessarily smart. Right. Uh, another one that I love is, I already told you about Ghost Map. Ghost Map Rules, that's about a great cholera outbreak in London. World Lit Only by Fire by William Manchester. That's about the Middle Ages. That book's great. This is probably too much homework. Pick one of those, guys. Pick one of those. Wow, think about how much more reading I could be doing if I weren't tweeting. There's so many things we could be doing if we weren't tweeting, but I I like tweeting, too. <laughs> this is Nerdette. Butterfly in the sky I can go twice as high Take a look It's in a book A reading rainbow A reading rainbow You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita, here with Greta Johnson. Now it's time to hear from you. Nerd confessions! Nerd confessions! All right, here's someone who is going to out me for not having great grammar skills and take Greta's side in a long-running argument between <laughs> us. Hi, Nerdette. This is Greg from Chicago. I was inspired by Benjamin, who called in. I'm also a grammar nerd, and uh, I try to keep it in check because it makes people angry, but y'all are nerds, so I figure you can handle it. On previous shows... When you say on uh, Nerd Confessions, everything from epic fails to humble brags are welcome, there's a case of subject verb disagreement because the subject of the sentence is everything, which is singular, so it should be is. So I was going to call in a rant about that, 
But on the most recent show, you just said everything from Epic Sales to Humble Brag, welcome. And fix. So thanks. I let it go for a while, Trisha, and then I tried to fix it. Do you remember when I read it grammatically correctly one day and you were like, really, Greta, you're going you're gonna to try and fight that battle now? Yep. I think we left that in the episode, our little tiff over what is grammatically correct and what sounds right in my head. My mom's an English teacher, so she would be ashamed of me. But sometimes correct grammar just sounds funny when you say it. It's weird when you put a singular verb next to a plural noun. I totally understand. I know. You're both right. You're both right. Everything is awesome. And now we have more nerd confessions from the night I spent collecting them live at the Game of Thrones beer release party from Omegang Brewery and Geek Bar in Chicago. Our pals from Strange Brews podcast here at WBEZ did a whole live podcast taping about the new Game of Thrones beer. You can listen to that if you want. We'll put a link at nerdatpodcast.com. But for now, here are some nerd confessions from all of the good folks who were at that party, many of them in pretty fantastic cosplay. There was a really good Hodor who had a baby on his back. It was funny. Hodor. And uh, here's some of those nerd confessions. When I was in fourth grade, at the end of the school year, we hadn't quite finished our math textbooks, our math workbooks. And rather than recycle my unused workbooks, I saved them. I took them to fifth grade with me and when in class we had spare time or I'd finished my work and I was just sitting around, I would pull out my fourth grade math workbooks and do math for fun. Just math for fun. Yeah, and nobody caught me for about half the school year, but then at some <laughs> point this kid walked by and he's like, wait, what? what's that? And I'm like, I'm doing math. What? For fun. Did this manifest itself into your adult life in any way? Oh, now I take classes online for fun. There I'm you currently go. taking an anatomy class because why not? <laughs> because why not? nerd confession is that I love creating elaborate Excel spreadsheets for every situation. For example, I was trying to determine if I should get a Ventra 30-day pass or a Ventra um, paid pass today, and I went and downloaded all of my data for my rides over the last four months and pivoted it in Excel to come up with an analysis of how I should purchase my Ventra pass. summer and I wrote my own Battlestar Galactica themed murder mystery party. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I used a template and kind of made my own murder mystery party based on what my friend's personalities were and what the characters from Battlestar Galactica were and created this great evening where I had like 10 of my friends come over and they all got really into character and dressed up like the various positions on, you know, the Battlestar Galactica and decided to have a fun night. <laughs> you were there. What was it like? <laughs> so we have a friend who was also at the party. What was your take? I'm Elizabeth and I was sort of a twist of uh, Colonel Ty and Admiral Kane. Interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of love Admiral Kane even <laughs> though she's, she's a really terrible character, but like I just... I love a woman in power, and I remember that we served Thai iced teas, and that's uh, 
based on Colonel Thai, so we, we sort of invented a drink. It's a Long Island iced tea, a Thai iced tea, and then a lot of booze. <laughs> we also, we made pizzas that were uh, square style and cut the corners off the pizzas because in the show they cut the corners off all the papers. <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty nerdy and epic and amazing. <laughs> Trisha, I love nerds. <laughs> so many good nerds. They were lined up the whole night. Call us and leave your nerd confession at 312-600-5638. Be it an epic fail, be it a humble brag, anything is welcome. Or just say hi. We love voicemails. Call us and leave your nerd confession 312-600-5638. Thanks to Selena Simmons-Duffin and Simon Rich for joining us this week. You can find us at nerdappodcast.com. That's also where you can sign up for our email newsletter. It's on the left side of the homepage. You can talk with us on Twitter at Nerdette Podcast and like us on Facebook. We do mini book reviews on our Instagram. That's also at Nerdette Podcast. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from Joe Dassault, Patrick Burns, and Iris Lynn. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Our home stations are WBEZ and WCQS. Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Throw us some stars and write a review on iTunes if you're feeling generous. Like the excellent Hoovla did on iTunes. We appreciate all the stars, the retweets, the shares. It helps spread the good word about Nerdette. And there's one other way you can help Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one that wants to get your message heard by Nerdette listeners, you can underwrite this show. Email nerdettepodcast at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.